Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. You are listening to the Raw Prospect Podcast, episode 71. Uh, my name is Emmy Nixon. Today is August 31st, and join. Oh, it's not August 31st. It's September 1st. Uh, <laughs> joining me, <laughs> joining me from Austin, Texas, the Stack King himself. What is up, Michael? What's up? Welcome back episode 71 of the raw prospect podcast it is september 1st and we can smell the nfl regular season right around the corner kickoff is eight days away today is the second half of our i guess nfl preview we're going to be doing the asc this time we did the nfc last week if you didn't listen to that already listen to that whenever you get a chance um so you can get that information as well. Um, we're also going to be talking a little bit about college football. It's the opening weekend of college football as well. And, but we're going to start with a little conversation about uh, Emmy's fantasy team, which may, and you know, we may have more extensive podcasts about fantasy football. For those of you who listen to this podcast, probably play it. Um, so. We may do that next week, but for now, we're just going to open with a little conversation about his team, uh, just to give you a little snippet of what's to come. So, any if you don't have anything else, like housekeeping things to say, go ahead and run through sort of your draft strategy and then who you ended up picking on your team. Then we'll just kind of have a little conversation about right, right. what you can expect. Um, yeah, just, just, just one small housekeeping thing. Um, if you're new to the channel, subscribe. If you're, if you're obviously, thank you for listening. Um, but uh, liking the video, subscribing, that just helps our channel grow, spread out to more people. And that's, that's ultimately the goal that we want to have uh, as a podcast, just to continue to grow. And um, you're, you're the one that's going to help us do that. So if you can just like the video, that would be great. Um, and then last week, um, our last podcast, you may have noticed that we had a little bit of our intro and a little bit of, I believe, the NFC East cut off a little bit. Um, we we got the issue resolved, so we should be good to go for this podcast. So don't be concerned about you know glitches like that happening again. We have the we have it all sorted out. Um, so with that being said, let's let's get into this. Okay, so. Um, for this league, um, it's just all the players on my golf team, or most of the players on my golf team, uh, at Bethany College, um, and it's a PPR league. Um, I had the seventh pick in the draft, um, and I went ahead and drafted Nick Chubb. Um, just I, I saw a lot of really good wide receivers available. Um, at number seven, a lot more than I thought I was, but I just I stuck with my game plan. I wanted to go with Chubb at seven because I, I knew he would be there. Um, we had some inexperienced fantasy football players um, in our draft, so they a lot of quarterbacks came off the board, and that kind of opened the door for me. But I'm I feel like I'm more comfortable picking Chubb because he's in an established offense and he'll be a true number one running back, and I know what I'm going to get from him week to week. Um, uh, in the second round, I went with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna speed this up a little bit. You are, you already know who DeAndre Hopkins is. Let's be real. Um, so I'm just gonna go down my roster. So Justin Herbert, my number one QB. Nick Chubb, Gus Edwards, my starting running backs at the moment. I'll get into Gus Edwards a little bit later. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Justin Jefferson, my two starting wide receivers. Austin Hooper at tight end. I'll get into a little bit of my tight end strategy a little bit later, just briefly. Um, and then Odell Beckham Jr. Um, not sure what I'm going to get from him this year, but I have a few um, uh, rookie wide receivers that I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Um, Dolphins defense, not much to say there. And then kicker, I mean, you can just draft anybody. Um, running back. Uh, backup running back DeAndre Swift he has a groin injury right now um, I, w- I didn't really take that into account when I was drafting unfortunately um, I had a round one grade on him just simply because I know the Lions are going to rely on the running game this year um, but health is definitely of priority and I hope that he can return to health um, because if he does then I would have three legitimate running backs which would be huge um, and then Trey Sermon, third round pick of the 49ers in the draft this year. Um, not the greatest situation at the moment. He's typically he's currently the backup behind uh, Raheem Mostert. And that's just uh, a pretty crowded running back room in general. But I just think he's talented enough to where by week five, week six, he'll be their workhorse. I'm just kind of betting on that. Um, and then Gaskin, Miami's running back, kind of their pass catching back. Um, and Tua likes using that safety blanket at running back. I think he'll get a good amount of targets, and that's valuable in the PPR league. Um, then Jalen Waddle, rookie wide receiver, uh, obviously sixth overall pick in the draft by the Dolphins. Um, I just, I just really like that upside. I think, um, He's not a guy that you would want to rely on, but I think um, the round that I got him at, I think it was like six, like seventh or eighth round. I think that's pretty good value. Um, and then Darnell Mooney, Therese Marshall Jr., and then Zach Wilson. Um, if you've listened to this podcast before, you already know how I feel about Zach Wilson. Um, and then I, and then watching a little bit of his preseason tape has kind of confirmed that. I'm not expecting him to be – just like a world breaker quarterback year one. But um, I think he'll at least be able to fill in the gaps when Justin Herbert has a tough matchup. And that's all I really need from him. Well, first of all, just a couple thoughts. But first of all, really good job drafting. Um, yeah, I didn't you. catch. Did you say what pick you had and how many teams there were? Um, it was a 12-team draft, and I had the seventh overall pick. Okay, so great job um, overall. It's a very well-rounded team, and it's a deep team as well. Um, number one, if you have been playing fantasy football for any length of period of time, you know that running backs are probably actually not argued. It's not arguable. They're the most important like position uh, in fantasy football. And you got a top three back in Nick Chubb in the league uh, when he's healthy. And then also, that Gus Edwards pick really paid off for you. 
And, you know, on this podcast, we never like to wish injuries upon anybody. Right. So J.K. Dobbins recovers well and comes back even stronger next year. But unfortunately, he uh, tore his ACL in the last preseason game. And by the way, the Ravens have won 20 consecutive preseason games. That's just pretty crazy to me. But anyways, um, I think that's a, yeah, it's an NFL record for sure. Um, but Gus Edwards is now going to be their workhorse. So now you have two workhorse running backs on two teams that rely on running the football. Like, they are very good top ten running teams every single year. Um, so, very good job there. You have two really good running backs. Um, and Gus Edwards is no, like, he's been in Baltimore. He's gotten carries before. He's no, like, he's good. He's a good, he's a good back. Um, your receivers, mainly your receiver depth is another thing that stands out to me. Obviously, Hopkins, right? Mm. He's going to get his. But Justin Jefferson, um, you look for him to take another step probably this year as the main guy there in Minnesota. He's going to get a lot of touches. Um, and then your depth on your bench, you, you have Odell. It's kind of a week-to-week thing with Odell. We'll see if he can stay healthy. Right. But I really like Jalen Waddell, and I really like Terrence Marshall. You have depth at all positions. Um, and Justin Herbert, if you know he doesn't hit a sophomore wall or whatever they like to call it, which I don't think he will, I think the Chargers, and we'll talk about this a little later too, I think they're going to be in the mix for a wild card spot as long as everyone stays healthy. Uh, expect him to put up some big numbers. So overall, great job. Obviously, injuries are going to happen. Hopefully, they don't happen to your team. Uh, wishing your team the best, but um, and if they do, there's always those pickups on the waiver wire that you have to be good at um, and adept at in order to win your league because injuries are just going to happen. That's just the way it is. But overall, I mean, there's nothing really terrible I can say about your team. Um, really impressive job drafting. And then that Dolphins defense, by the way, they're going to have their weeks where they force two to three turnovers, maybe score a touchdown. I think they're that good. Um, so you got a really good, just a really good overall team. All right, yeah, I feel really good about it. But um, that I feel like um, that segment – has kind of run its course. Let's let's move on to the meat and cheese of the episode. Um, not really the best metaphor there, but you get the point. Um, so uh, obviously we have college football on the slate today. Um, we have some really really fun matchups coming up this weekend. Um, so we're just gonna uh, cover the five top ranked matchups um, for college football this weekend. Um, so, starting off with Penn State at Wisconsin, what are your thoughts? Um, I actually want to start um, right here in Texas. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, while I'm gathering my notes for the other games, um, I want to start with the marquee game, the opening of, because we haven't talked about, we're both, you know, we both live in Austin, um, and 
the home to Texas Longhorns football, and they're opening up a new era with a new quarterback, no more Sam Ellinger, and a new coaching regime. And Steve Sarkeesian, Pete Kwiatkowski, the, the new defensive coordinator, and a whole new coaching staff. So it's a whole new regime at um, Texas. Um, so um, in case you missed it, and I'll be quick with this, but Louisiana, let me just start there. They're ranked 23 for a reason. They went in to Ames, Iowa in week one last year, and they were a 10 win football team last year. They had a 10 and one. They only had one loss. I forget who the loss was to, but it was to a, it was to a very good team. Uh, but they were 10 and one. They were in a bowl game, blah, 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 blah. But they went into Ames, Iowa at Iowa State, and Iowa State is going to be potentially a playoff contention this year. They went in there, and they beat them by 20 week one. They have a veteran football team with a returning starter. I think they're returning, like, 19 of their 22 starters from last year. It's one of the highest rates in the country. So they're experienced. They're a veteran team. They're very well coached. Uh, And pretty much the only thing you can say about the roster is they're going to miss their two workhorse running backs that actually left the program from last year. But expect Louisiana to come in there prepared. Um, I expect a good effort from Louisiana. Obviously, they know how to win in hostile environments. Um, So if you're Texas, and this is the one thing that Texas has kind of been known for, over the past couple of years where they have over underachieved, sorry, for their level of recruiting and talent, in my opinion. Um, they, they tend to sort of play down to their competition or overlook the weaker competition. And when you really look at it, Louisiana has more experience. They might not be as talented, but they're well coached, they're experienced, and that's that, and they have an experienced quarterback. So if you're Texas, the keys, obviously we're all interested to see what uh, redshirt freshman quarterback from Lake Travis High School here in Austin, Hudson Carr looks like he was named the starter. Now that is not me, Hudson, or sorry, Casey Thompson is not going to play. Casey Thompson will get his fair share of snaps, but for now, Hudson Carr will start the game at quarterback in that first series. So the keys for him is just play smart. You don't have to do anything crazy. Just play smart and take care of the football. Okay? That's number one. Number two, give the ball to Bijan Robinson at least 30 times. He's that good. Give the ball to Bijan Robinson at least 30 times. Probably 25 on the ground and maybe a couple through there because he can do it all. Okay? Um, they're going to have to, I think, rely on more on a running game this year than they have in past years, uh, and then create uh, the play action and the pass game off the running game because B. John Robinson is that good. Uh, he averaged like eight yards per carry uh, last season, so he's no joke. Um, there are a little, there are some questions at receiver, but you know, at the level of as long as the receiver group stays healthy, I'm not too worried about that. Sark will put 
these guys in the best positions to win. Uh, that's sort of what his offense does. He gets guys open with his scheming, so I'm not too worried about that. Uh, the offensive line should be pretty good. It won't be elite, but it'll be good enough. Uh, and then the defense is another thing that I'm watching, obviously. Obviously, it's not going to be elite at Texas, but this front four, this defensive line, is the best that it's been in years at UT. Um, obviously, they lost Joseph Asai, so... Linebacker is sort of the weak spot of the defense, but the back end is really what I'm looking at. Um, their experience, Josh Thompson, uh, those guys in the back end uh, who looked really good in fall camp, really good in the two scrimmages, really good in the spring game. And obviously that's just fall camp and scrimmages, but uh, a lot of people inside the UT circles are really excited about what they've seen from this secondary. So I think if you can get the ball to your best players, Josh Moore on the outside and B. John Robinson in the backfield, Hudson Carr or Casey Thompson, whoever the quarterback may be, take care of the football. Okay? Don't make any careless errors because careless errors cost Texas about two or three games last season. I mean, we're talking about the difference between a 7-3 and three football team and possibly 9- or 10-win football football team. Okay, So you can't make those errors. Um, and just be ready to play. That's another thing. Don't come out flat. This is the first game of the season, first game in front of a full 105,000-person people crowd at Darrell K. Royal Stadium. Just come out motivated, ready to play a really good football team in Louisiana. Sorry, that's a little long. Uh, maybe we won't talk about all the games because Texas is really the main one I want to focus on along with the Georgia-Clemson one because that's the marquee, marquee one. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on Texas? Um, well, you got you to look at the simple things. Um, one thing I always say when you have a – debuting young quarterback at any level really all from high school all the way up to the NFL just get him settled into the game give him some easy completions early just if you're if you're Steve Sarkeesian throw him a couple layups a couple screen passes short passes um get your playmakers isolated into some good matchups you have the athletic advantage use that to your advantage early and often and send a message. Um, I think the biggest thing you can say for your young quarterback is obviously um, what I just said um, in terms of getting the easy throws, but also getting points up on the board on your first drive is like there's something to be said about the confidence that gives you. Um, it it can play it can pay dividends um, if if you look at the rest the outlook of the rest of the game. Um, so just moving the ball, getting a couple first downs, getting into a rhythm, even if it's just a field goal, um, I think that will do wonders for uh, his confidence as a quarterback. Right. That's going to be really important. And the thing I feel really good about is as long as he stays healthy, which I really hope he does or else 
this Texas season might just go down the drain real fast uh, is he has an elite running back uh, in the backfield who, if he has the season, a lot of people think he can. He could be like on stage hoisting the Heisman Trophy. Those are the kind of numbers he could put up. But anyways, he has that layer of comfort with a deep running back room. He can turn turn around and hand the ball off, take some of the pressure off him. Uh, so that, that always helps the young quarterback, whether it's in college, high school, or he, of course in the NFL. So uh, I'm hoping Texas will win. I think I think it'll Louisiana will stay close uh, for a while because they're not going to, I mean, they've been in these situations before. They're a good football team. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if they, like, score first or something. Uh, but I think Texas, the overall amount of talent will eventually run its course, and they'll hopefully win the football game. Okay. Um, not going to make, like, any bold predictions, like score predictions or anything like that yet. Because it's only week one, and we got to see these teams first before we can really get a feel for doing predictions. Um, so uh, we'll hold off for maybe a week or two or three before we actually start predicting games. All right. Um, since that went a little long, I apologize, but we're talking about Texas, um, and there's a lot to say. We're just going to jump right into this Clemson and uh, Alabama, or no, Clemson and Georgia, sorry. Uh, Number three, Clemson against number five, Georgia. Um, So I can give you an overview of Clemson and what I I think, because they've been a powerhouse um, over the past couple seasons, obviously with Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne being the focal point of their offense. They're now in the NFL, but we saw their new quarterback, DJ Uyagi Dele. I think that's how you say it. Could be wrong, but good enough. Um, He's got a big arm. He's another five-star guy, highly recruited, uh, strong arm, elite, you know, intangibles. Uh, So they're going to be really good at quarterback again. They have Dabo Sweeney, who's going to be in his 13th year at head coach at Clemson. Um, they got a lot of weapons. Uh, they're young on the offensive end. Uh, they did lose Amari Rogers. They lost ETN, as I mentioned. Uh, but they still, uh, they still have Justin Ross, who's going to be one of the top receivers coming out of coming into next year's draft. Uh, they still have, let's see, who else they got in this receiving here? Oh, they have EJ Williams and Joseph Nada, a sophomore and a junior, who were also highly recruited. So I expect big things from Clemson. Um, they're projected to finish, you know, first in the ACC. Obviously, their top competitors in the ACC are going to be North Carolina, who's got Sam Howell, who's probably going to be next to Spencer Rattler, one of the marquee quarterbacks in next year's draft. Uh, Louisville, I think, is supposed to be pretty good. Uh, And, you know, there's always that team in the ACC every year who surprises some people. Uh, We won't get into too much into that, but uh, 
I'm just really excited to watch, first of all, DJ Uyagi Gale, and then these new uh, Clemson weapons. Uh, and then the defense, I don't know too much about the defense, to be honest with you. But remember, it's a Brent Venables coach defense. They're always well coached. They always have, you know, the scheme. It's a consistent system. Players in this system know what they're doing. I mean, they do have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six seniors on this projected starting defense. That experience will help. They've been in the system for a long time. Uh, actually, no freshmen on the projected starting defense. So they do return a lot of those guys. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I know I'm kind of speaking in generalities. There are some question marks, uh, most notably the offensive line, who I think, let's see, I don't know what's going on there, but I do read that the offensive line has some questions. Uh, but overall, I mean, what can you say? Clemson, until proven otherwise, is going to be up there at the, as a powerhouse in college football. Yeah, and every year when you go to these powerhouse programs, the, the questions always remain the same because there's always players that go into the draft. There's always losses um, of, obviously, marquee talent. Um, the question is always... Um, how will the new players adjust to the college level and how long will it take? Um, it's not, it's not really a question of do they have that talent because of the, um, level of recruiting these, these, uh, schools have. Um, it's just more of a question of, um, how does it mesh? How have they responded to the coaching? Have they bought in yet? Those kinds of things. Um, and, you know, predicting a week one game like this is just really difficult. You know, you don't know how these teams are going to turn out. You know, there could be a, a multitude of injuries and their seasons could go sideways. You know, anything can happen. Um, but right. just okay, but well, just looking at it right. Oh, sorry. Oh, go uh, ahead. Yeah. Right yeah. But but just looking at it right now, um, I just think uh, I like where Georgia's program is at. I think they're ready to take the next step. I think their their quarterback room is has some stabilization, and I think that's extremely important. Right. Um, what was I going to say? Shoot. Sorry. Um, and one thing also to add is you were saying, you know, you'd be fun games are hard to predict, and that's obviously why we're not going to make any hard predictions on these games but this game right here and typically early season marquee matchups like this typically not always are on neutral sites played on neutral sites and this is one of those cases so nobody really gets that home field advantage where you can say okay i could see this going this way because this team has that home field advantage that really actually does play a factor in these hostile environments in college football. Um, so no, no team really has that. Um, I don't know where it's being played. If it's in Atlanta, then that actually might be an advantage to Georgia. Who knows? But 
Actually, I think it'll be pretty evenly split. Georgia's it, you know, right next to South Carolina. That's where Clemson is. So, I mean, who knows? But my point is, it's on a neutral site, so anything can happen. You just can't really predict it. But, yes, I do agree with what you said. Um, Georgia, if they're going to take the next step, they need to do it here pretty soon. I know they have, they're stuck with Alabama and all these really good teams in the SEC, but they do have uh, stability in that quarterback room. They have a lot of you know SEC-level talent. Uh, so we'll just see what happens. I'm really looking forward. I'll obviously be at the UT game Saturday afternoon, and I'm really looking forward <laughs> to Saturday evening sitting down and watching this game on ABC with new quarterbacks, great coaches, great talent, and a raucous crowd. It's going to be awesome. So, um, a lot of these marquee matchups that we didn't get last year because of the COVID, um, they're going to be played now. And we have fans back in the stands this season. Um, so, that's also a great thing, especially for college. All right. So, with that, we won't ramble on too much, but be sure to catch, if you can, these games. There's also number one Alabama against Miami, number 14 Miami. That'll be that should be a good one. Number 17 Indiana is going to be a contender in the Big Ten against number 18 Iowa, also a contender in the Big Ten. And then Penn State, Wisconsin, early season Big Ten matchup. What gets better than that? Okay. No more on that, uh, unless you have anything else to say. Nope, we can get nothing from me. AFC. Exactly. Yep. We're right at 30 minutes in, so we're running right on schedule. Uh, so, let's get right into it. Um, I don't know what you had in mind in terms of what division you wanted to start with, but uh, before we get into it, I just want to say, like, the AFC's depth is just incredible this year um just from top to bottom i don't think you can really look at any of these divisions and say oh wow yeah that division is definitely not nearly as good as this division or whatever what the case may be um all of the divisions have at least two teams that are playoff caliber and or super bowl caliber so uh, just just insane talent in the AFC. And it's really only getting better. A lot of really good young quarterbacks in the AFC as well. And we'll get into that a little bit as we go. Um, so, getting started here. Um, let, let's start with the AFC East. That's what I was thinking. All right. Perfect. All right. Uh, I talked a lot during that college football segment. So, how about you go ahead and talk about Sort of just your general thoughts on how you think the AFC East will play out. And then we can, and then I'll give my thoughts, and then we can dive a little deeper into the teams. Okay. Um, well, okay. So the, the interesting storylines is obviously two rookie quarterbacks um, uh, going into this year um, in this division, starting week one. Um, and then, of course, you have two attack by Loa, who um, is going through is going into a season um, 
actually having a full off season and actually um, being healthy this off season and getting the training work needed. Um, and thus far, he has looked better. Um, not going to get into that yet, um, but just the general feeling of this division is just how good are the Bills going to be? They're the front runners. I think um, I'm. I feel. 95% sure that they'll win the division by at least a game and a half. Um, it, it obviously depends on uh, how the divisional matchups go. And obviously um, being on a uh, second place team schedule from last year, um, there's going to be some tough games, more tough marquee games um, on national TV for them that maybe they didn't have to face last year. But I just feel like they have the clearly the best quarterback in the division and clearly the most established culture in the division. Um, so I feel, which is weird to say because uh, for 20, however many years, it's been the Patriots. But now the the combination of quarterback and culture goes to the Bills, and they're I think they're going to win the division. Okay. In terms of what I think, okay, first of all, um, I saw a nugget, like a stat nugget, or I guess you could call it that, about the AFC East, mm-hmm. with Matt Jones being named the starter in New England and Cam Newton being cut. I mean, wow. Yeah. What's going on there? Um, and then with, obviously, the new guy, Zach Wilson. Um with the Jets, with Tua for now being the starter in Miami, and then obviously the young Josh Allen. The average age of the AFC East quarterbacks is like in the 23 range, and that's the youngest for any division since like the 1970s or something. So four really promising uh in most people's eyes, quarterbacks in this division. Um, But let me just talk about the Bills and why I think they're going to win this division fairly easily. And that doesn't mean, you know, Miami and New England won't be in contention for the playoffs. That's, they will. Uh, But the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion, are going to be a 12-plus win team, okay, Number one, a lot of times when a team has a really good season like the Bills did last year, like a breakout season, and they start to win a lot of games, uh, teams, other teams come in and like, okay, we're going to interview those two guys, right? We want those guys to run our offense. We want that guy to run our defense because we see what they're doing over there, and that's working. Uh, but one thing not people are talking about is the fact that Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, and Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator, were both interviewed for multiple head coaching positions, and both were passed over. So they still have that continuity coming back. The same system. That's important. Obviously, Sean McDermott has established a fantastic culture. That's important in the NFL. Number two, the quarterback. The best quarterback in the division until proven otherwise. Who knows, Zach Wilson might end up being 
a world beater. Uh, Mac Jones, who knows what the Patriots have in him. And Tua, we've seen some flashes. But right now, Josh Allen is by far and away the best, most experienced quarterback in this division. Remarkable 2020, 4,500 yards, uh, 69% completion, 37 touchdown passes, 46 total TDs, nine of which were on the ground, eight 300-yard games, and a passer rating of 108. Not much you can say bad there. And they added to their weapons, who were already really good. Uh, they got an upgrade at number two receiver uh, in Emmanuel Sanders to pair with Stefan Diggs. And they have a really good tight end, a guy not a lot of people talk about. And um, what is his name? Tyler Croft? Yes, I think so. Um, let me look real fast. Receivers. Uh, Dawson Knox. Ah, oh, nope. Dawson Knox. Yeah. So they have three good receivers. Diggs is your number one. Sanders is your number two. Beasley is your number three. Okay, great. A really good, solid tight end in Dawson Knox. Reliable hands with Jacob Hollister as a backup. And then you have Devin Singletary and Zach Moss and Matt Burita. I believe they may be added. Yes, they added him as a free agent for depth um, as your running backs with a good offensive line. So it's going to be an explosive offense. We know what Brian Dable can scheme up. The questions for Buffalo, especially last season, came on defense, right? Number one, they couldn't generate any sort of consistent pass rush. Well, they saw that in both the draft and free agency. Um, they signed Jerry Hughes. They signed Mario Addison, who are aging, but are still very good. And they went out and drafted... Who did they draft uh, that I really liked? Uh, AJ Epinesa from Iowa. Uh, so, hopefully... Um, actually, no. Um, yeah, AJ Epinesa was their pick from the year before, I think. He, they... Yes. You're, you're yeah. correct. They picked Gregory Russo. Yeah, that's right. From Miami. So they got edge help. And you know what? Another big thing for this defense last year was the secondary. It wasn't terrible, but it also wasn't... It was kind of the weakness of this team last year. Uh, but they get Tredavious White, obviously, back healthy. He's been one of the best cover corners in the league for several years now. Uh, Levi Wallace uh, came back on a one-year deal. Saw some flashes from him. And then I think the safety tandem of Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, uh, who each got contract extensions, I think that's uh, – I think they made some improvements. So all around, I look at Buffalo and I say, wow, it's going to take either a major injury to a key player, a Stefan Diggs, or even a Josh Allen, uh, to really take this team out of contention. I think we could be here in you know, January looking at the AFC and going, okay, wow. 
the playoffs go through Buffalo. And do you really want that with those fans and that weather in January? Oh, man. Good luck. <laughs> you know how long they've been waiting for that? Oh, man. They're going to be. Anyways, um, Vegas Insider has the Buffalo Bills projected at 11 wins. What do you Easy think? Over. Easy over. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I 100% agree. Um, one one other thing is uh, the re-signing of Matt Milano. Uh, oh, yeah. He is a very underrated linebacker. I don't – like, I wouldn't say he's, like, elite, like Fred Warner level, but he's he's basically – personifies the attitude of this team and re-signing a guy like that on it on a very favorable contract in my opinion um is is something that like shows that um guys really are drawn to the culture they have established here like he he chose to stay on a on a lesser contract he could have gone to somewhere else and gotten more money but he chose to stay and that just that is the kind of thing that shows um, the progress that has been made with the Buffalo Bills organization. It's really good to see. Okay. So we both agree that Buffalo is eventually going to sort of run away with this division, right? They're clearly the best team, top to bottom on paper, and they've proven it to be true on the field, right? Exactly. no offense to Zach Wilson. I'm wishing him nothing but the best. I wish Joe, I think Joe Douglas has done a very good job uh, drafting uh, since he became the Jets general manager. I believe it was last season. Um, and, you know, we'll have to see how things work out with new head coach Robert Sala. I think he'll be, I think he'll be a good coach. Um, they just need to find stability at the coach and the quarterback. And then they can work their way up. But I think regardless of what happens, they're going to be the fourth, the worst team in this division. I don't know what their over-under is, but maybe they win. I don't know. Maybe Zach Wilson is good and they win five or six games. Who knows? But I still think they're going to be the worst team in this division for at least this year. Who knows what happens next year, but at least this year. Uh, But... Let me just give my quick opinion on the Patriots. I keep going back and forth between Miami and New England, right? Mm-hmm. Tua is a second-year quarterback. He went 6-3 and three as a starter last season, but didn't really show that flash, right? He was solid, but didn't really show that flash. But Miami has a great coach in Brian Flores, proven coach, right? Not that New England doesn't. I mean, they have no Belichick, but you get the point. Um, And I believe Miami went out and they invested in weapons for Tua, more weapons, right? They drafted. um, So they have Will Fuller. I think they got him in free agency. He obviously has health problems, but when he's on the field, he's a deep threat. Uh, Devontae Parker, and they drafted Jalen Waddle. To go along with that, they have Miles Gaskin back running the football. 
Didn't they draft a running back, or am I mistaken? Um, I can't think of what's on the top of my head. I don't think they did. But they had him, and they have Malcolm Brown in that backfield. And they also have, uh, did you say Miles Gaskin already? Yes. Okay, yeah. 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 He's okay, going to be most likely the bell cow. I feel like they did draft him. I can't think of it. Okay, never mind. Um, but, you know, for me, you're going to know fairly quickly whether or not Tua is going to be the guy in Miami or not, right? Because what Miami told you this offseason is, okay, well, maybe you didn't have the necessary weaponry to be as good as you can or to fulfill your potential last season. Maybe that's what they told Tua. They went out and they solved those issues through the draft and free agency. So I think you're going to know fairly quickly whether or not, given the necessary weapons, uh, whether or not Tua is the guy. And I mentioned this earlier. Miami's defense is going to be legit. I mean, bearing injury, they're going to be legit. I see Miami, I mean, they were a 10-win team last year. If Tua is, is good, like doesn't turn the ball over and is just a solid quarterback, um, I th- I see them winning 10, 11 games again this year. What is their over-under? Um, their under, over-under is nine and a half. Okay. I'm going to go over. I think they win about 10, 11 games again. Uh, mm. Because I just really like Brian Flores as a coach. I really like the defense. Uh, we're talking about not a lot of household names, but they still have Xavier Howard at that shutdown corner that not a lot of teams have. It was really overlooked and really underrated, in my opinion. Um, Brandon Jones at safety. Eric Rowe. Uh, Byron Jones. A lot of veterans on this defense, and they're really well coached. So I'm going to go. They went 10-6 last year. Let me look at their schedule, and then I'll let you talk. Okay. Um, um, okay, well, they do have a tough opening. They have to go at New England, then Buffalo, then they get a little break in Jacksonville, but then they got to go Seattle, San Francisco, and the Rams, and Arizona, and the Chargers. Oof. Whoa. And then it lightens up a little bit. Uh, I still go over. I'll say 10-6. and six. Last year they were ten and six and missed the playoffs. I think this year they're ten and six, or actually ten and seven. Ten and seven, mm-hmm. and they made the playoffs. I think that's what will happen. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm right around where you are. I think I'm just a little bit. Actually, no. I'm, I think I feel like I'm around the same with where you're at. I'm just higher on the Patriots. So let me let me get into what I think about the Patriots first. So the the Patriots went out this this uh, this off season and they spent an insane amount of money. They had so much cap room. They're bringing all of their COVID opt outs back. Um, uh, all of their young players are projected to improve, and they've they patched up their offensive line. Their offensive line looks really really good. Um, 
And I just, I'm so high on that defense. That's the biggest thing. I, I'm less confident in that offense, um, but I feel like they can scrap up enough uh, points just to get, uh, get wins. That, that's the thing. Um, and and that's, that's the formula they had in uh, Belichick's early years with Brady. Um, as a young quarterback, is just play great defense, don't make mistakes, and uh, just get the job done when it matters in the clutch. That's kind of how that's kind of how it is. Whether Mac Jones can do that or not is yet to be seen. But I just, I just feel really good about the moves they made. They added two solid tight ends: John o. Smith, Hunter Henry. Obviously, questions about Henry's health um, remain uh, throughout his career, but. You have John o. Smith to cover for him if need be. Um, but not only does that give them, obviously, cover for both if one of them gets hurt, but also that gives them flexibility in terms of the formations that they can run. Um, I, I like them in 12 personnel. I think that's what they're going to lean on. They're going to go 12 personnel, a lot of heavy sets, a lot of just running the football and just pounding you down. Um, I think that's going to be their strategy. It's going to be like old school football. It's getting me. I, I feel really excited about it. We haven't seen a team go into a season with this mindset in a while, especially not with the talent that this team does. Um, I, I I feel really really good about where the Patriots are at. Um, I think they're so their projected win totals. Let me let me get to the point here. Their projected win totals in nine and a half. Um, exactly the same as what the Dolphins' uh, projected wins is. Um, the point you made about the Dolphins having a rough schedule at the start, I think that might play a big role. Um, but also, a lot plays into what that week one result is. They they obviously face off week one, and that's going to be a huge huge game um i think that could decide who gets second in the division and ultimately ultimately probably a wild card spot um i think the patriots i'm gonna go over i'm gonna say 10 11 wins um i think i think they ultimately win one more than the dolphins do that's kind of where i'm at um if you look at the defense kyle dougler jc jackson uh Obviously, uh, other corner, elite corner. I don't know what his name is. I, I, I do know what his name is. It's not, I just not clicking in my head right now. Um, dreads. Help me out here. Huh? Stephon Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore. That's what it is. Uh, and then obviously Dante Hightower. Uh, they added Christian Barmore in the draft. I don't know how he fell to them in the draft. That's insane. Um, I just, I just really love that defense. Um, whether or not they can, you know, be elite enough to get this team to where they want to go is up to yet to be seen. But I believe in it. I think they can do it. I don't really dispute anything you said about New England. Here's what I will say: though. I mentioned that. Um, 
Miami has a tough schedule, relatively tough schedule coming out of the gates, right? But that doesn't mean New England does not have a tough schedule coming out of the gates. They still have a fairly, you know, tough schedule coming out. They got to play Miami, obviously, at Seattle, Las Vegas, at Kansas City, Denver, who has a hell of a defense. If they can figure out their quarterback, they're going to be a good team. San Francisco, at Buffalo, Baltimore, at Houston, Arizona, and down the line. So both teams have tough schedules, and where I differentiate the two is, number one, Mac Jones. I think he can be good uh, for them. I don't dispute that, but I got to see it before I believe it. That's number one. Fair enough. You obviously mentioned all the things because the speed changes in the NFL. It's much different than college. You don't have guys running wide open like you do at Alabama in the NFL. Um, so that's number one. Number two is, you know, you pretty much nailed everything on the head about this roster. I mean, they have everyone coming back on defense. That was once, you know, number one or number two, top three in the NFL annually when they were getting to Super Bowls with the one, the only Tom Brady. Um, they have a really good running game with Damian Damian Harris and uh, Sony Michelle as the lead backs. Um, they actually just traded Sony Michelle, so I think they're um, their other back. They just drafted him. Uh, oh, the name? guy from Oklahoma. You're right. Right. Yep. Uh, I don't know his name off the top of my head. It's Ramondre Stevenson. There it is. Yep. Um, and he showed some flashes in preseason. So the roster is solid everywhere you look. I mean. They obviously went out, they spent money, which they needed to do. They had virtually nothing for Cam to work with um, last season on the offensive side of the ball. Now they have Nelson Aguilar. They have two really good tight ends, and Jonah Smith and Hunter Henry went healthy. They have three really good running backs. Their offensive line is going to be one of the best in the league. Uh, David Andrews up front, Shaq Mason, Isaiah Wynn. All those guys, right? They're a Belichick coach football team. I just think rookie quarterback, it might take the defense a little bit of time to get into a groove, right? They got to face a couple fairly explosive offenses in those first four or five weeks with Seattle and Kansas City, uh, San Francisco, all those teams. So I think, you know, taking a year off football, in the NFL, it can be hard at times. I think that that might play a little bit. Of, it might take them a little bit of time to get back into a fully molded, melded defense. But I think they will eventually get there. I think they're really going to make their push near the end, November, December. I think that's where Belichick really excels because he has that experience and knows how to adjust. Uh, and Belichick teams aren't really they're. Re- I mean, one thing you got to remember is they're never really good right out of the gates, right? They sort of struggle in September, or at least that's how it's been historically. I mean, that could change, but if we look back on what's been happening in the past, that gives us a good idea of what's going to happen into the future. Right. So I just think the defense will struggle a little bit into the gates. I got to see Matt Jones. 
we don't know what will happen with injuries and all. I just really like, I think Miami wins one more game than the Patriots do. Maybe it's that head-to-head that decides that. Who knows? But I still think, I mean, that's not a knock against New England. I still think they're going to be a nine, eight, nine-win football team and have the possibility of getting into the playoffs. Right. Yeah, I, I mean... I mean that's good that we're disagreeing. That's that's kind of rare for this podcast, but you know, it's like we said at the start of this uh, segment with the AFC. There's just a lot of talent, and it's just going to be kind of splitting hairs to see like who you like um, in most of these divisions. So um, closing out here, I'm just going to give my quick take on the Jets. I think they're going to be fun. I don't think they're going to be overly competitive. Um, their defensive line is really really good. Um, I'll say that, uh, but overall, not expecting too much. Um, I like their left side, that offensive line, Mackay Becton and uh, uh, Vera Tucker, uh, their draft pick and the 13th pick. I think that's going to be a very, very fun offensive line duo. Um, Maybe a little bit of Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, Travis Frederick vibes, maybe in the future um but the building blocks are there i think they're going to be competitive i don't think they're going to be or um i think they're going to be fun i don't think they're going to be competitive is what i meant to say so i'm going to say under six wins maybe around four or five i agree there i don't really have much to add to that um i already kind of talked about that yeah well, yeah so. Yep. so afc east um that's enough there for AFC East. Um, let's move on here to the AFC North. Let's do it. Yeah, home of uh, your favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we can start with them. Why not? Um, let's start in Pittsburgh where you had a team that started an incredible 11-0 last season. And this sort of had a collapse in December for whatever reasons um, and ended up losing to the team a lot of people think are going to win this division, the Cleveland Browns, in the playoffs. In an utter disaster of a game. Um, but not going to relive that. It's a new season now. Um, Pittsburgh, I'll be quick. You have a returning veteran quarterback, obviously, and 39-year-old Ben Roethlisberger, who's now a full year removed from the elbow surgery. So in my full Pittsburgh homer optimism, I hope that this year his arm will stay at a consistent level of strength through the season, but that's yet to be determined. I, th- I still think he has football left in him, obviously. I mean, he's a 39-year-old Super Bowl champion. And his stat, it's not like his stats were terrible last year. I mean, he still threw for, uh, oh, I have him right here, 33 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. And that's with all those interceptions that came at the end of the season. So it's not like he was awful last year. The real downfalls of this team and the reasons lots of people – don't have 
a ton of confidence in this Pittsburgh team returning to the playoffs is number one, they have one of, if not the toughest, I think it is by like strength of winning percentage, the toughest schedule in the NFL. And I mentioned to the you, I mentioned this to you off the air when we talk off air about their schedule. The past couple of years, the downfall of Pittsburgh has been in December. In this year, in December, listen to this. Baltimore at Minnesota, Tennessee at Kansas City, Cleveland at Baltimore. If they're not careful, that could be a 1-5, oh, 0-6 stretch. I mean, seriously. That's number one. The schedule. Number two. Because last year they played one of the easiest schedules, right? Number two, the offensive line. It's horrendous. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's going to be one of the worst offensive lines in football, bearing a miracle. Um, I do really like Kevin Dotson at guard. I think he, he's going to be a solid replacement for David DeCastro, who departed. But other than that, there aren't a whole lot of bright spots on this offensive line. Uh, the tackle position in particular is one I'm super worried about. I think Kendrick Green will be a decent center. He's a guy we drafted out of Illinois um, in the draft, like third round, I think. Uh, he showed flashes in preseason. I think the interior of the offensive line will be fine, but the tackles is really what I'm worried about. And it's a pretty horrendous situation right now. I don't need to go any further. Um, so... How do you mask a bad offensive line? Is going to be the question for the Steelers offense. Do they have weapons? Yes. In fact, they have a lot of weapons. Chase Claypool. Will he take the next step? I think he will. He's got all the tools in the world. Um, Deontay Johnson. Eliminate some of those drops. He can be one of the best slot receivers in the league, in my opinion. Juju Smith-Schuster. We know what he is at this point. Um, and then James Washington, who there were rumors about a trade, but they're going to be keeping him for this year. So they have depth at wide receiver. They added depth at tight end. This Pat Fryermuth guy from um, Penn State that they drafted in the second round, man. By the end of the season, we could have a new like top 10 tight end in the league. That's how good he is. He's just athletic, good at blocking, that sort of thing. Okay? And they still have Eric Ebron, who has bricks for hands, but nevertheless is an athletic tight end who will occasionally give you some splash. Right? Yep. And then they drafted the best running back in the draft, or most coveted running back in the draft. Najee Harris can do everything, right? He's looking to become the Steelers' first 1,000-yard rusher since Le'Veon Bell back in 2017. I should just say 26. I don't want to mention Le'Veon Bell. Uh, And they brought in Kalen Balaj, Anthony McFarlane Jr., Jalen Samuels, Benny Snell. So they have five serviceable running backs. So how do you mask a bad offensive line? Well, you run the football a lot. Okay? And... You can use the tight ends that you have, the depth there. Those good blocking tight ends and Pat Fryer and Eric Ebro. 
to sort of mask some of those things. The defense will be fine. I don't need to go too in-depth there. I mean, they... I think they got... I think there's a possibility they got better defensively. Um, they lost Steven Nelson uh, at corner, and they also lost Bud Dupree off the edge. But they added Melvin Ingram, who, when healthy, was a really good pass rusher in Los Angeles with the Chargers. And they went out and traded for one of the more underrated middle linebackers to go along with Devin Bush who should I say is returning healthy from an ACL injury suffered early last year. And Alex Highsmith, man, a lot of people are overlooking this guy. I think the combination of him along with Melvin Ingram will fill in very nicely to fill that void left by Bud Dupree. And then TJ Watt. The contract is going to get done. I'm not too worried about that. I think it'll get done by the time they kick off next Sunday against the Bills. I'm not worried about the defense. It's going to be a top five defense as long as they stay healthy. But the downfalls are going to be, one, uh, the schedule, two, the offensive line, which is horrendous, not going to sugarcoat it, and then three would be Three in that hierarchy of problems, I think, would be Ben. But I still think Ben has enough left in the tank if he has some semblance of a running game and can work off that play-action pass. But the last thing I want to say is, one thing you have to remember about this organization is, number one, they have Mike Tomlin, who's never had a losing season no matter what the circumstance was, right? Doug Hodges, Mason Rudolph, you name it. Dennis Dixon, Charlie Batch, you name it. Never had a losing season. And that was with some below average offensive lines back in the day when they were getting the Super Bowls. I mean, I know Ben was in his prime back then, but still. Uh, And they know how to play in those pressure-packed regular season games. Playoffs haven't been so good the past couple of years. But they know how to win in the regular season. So don't doubt. Don't write this team off completely is basically what I'm saying. I think if I'm being realistic, I think best case scenario is 10 wins get into the wild card. Worst case scenario could be six or seven wins and miss the playoffs completely and have a top 10 pick in next year's draft. But I think they're too talented for that. I mean, aside from the offensive line, they got a great defense and a lot of weapons. So I think it's going to be somewhere in the 8-9 win range. Uh, Since I'm a fan of the team, I'd probably say 9, but that's just my Steeler optimism kicking in there. But I could definitely see an 8-9 and Missing the playoff sort of thing. Uh, what is their over-under? Eight and a half. Oof. See, that's the swing point. They were smart when they made that, when they made that line. Because under, under eight and a half would mean uh, Mike Collins' first losing season, right? Eight and, eight and nine. Because now he can't go 500. Right. And above that would mean 
he continues the streak. Um, I don't know. I like to be optimistic, but at the same time, I have to be realistic. I'm going to say for now, I hope I'm wrong. Eight and nine under because, I mean, I just can't. Like, there's no way I can make an argument that this offensive line, until proven otherwise, is going to be any good at all. Like, any good at all. Um, so, that's just, like, I can't argue that. So, I'm going to say 8-9 and nine and just miss the playoffs. Mm. But, that's my Pittsburgh little rant. Um, real quick, I think Cleveland's going to be really good again. They're going to win the division. Baltimore will be right behind them. Both those teams will be playoff teams. What do I need to say? I mean, Cleveland's got one of the best rosters top to bottom in the league. Um, and they have Odell Beckham coming back on that offense, Nate Chubb, all the guys we mentioned. Uh, and Kevin Stefanski proved last year he's a real football coach. Um, so they finally got that whole situation figured out. And say what you want about Baker Mayfield, but a lot of people think he's going to take the next step, and I wouldn't necessarily deny it. Um, because he is looking for that. A lot of these quarterbacks have gotten their big contracts. He's looking for that contract. But that's another argument for another day. Baltimore, they're going to be in there somewhere. They're going to be in the playoffs. Uh, Lamar Jackson, that running game. The defense, who lost some talent, including star pass rusher Matt Judon, who went to New England. Uh, But they're one of those defenses that doesn't necessarily need their collection of guys. And that scheme is really, that aggressiveness that they play with in Baltimore is really what gets it done. And that culture, I just think, will get them to the playoffs. Um, And then the Bengals, this is, I think, an intriguing conversation to have. Maybe not right now, but a lot of people are optimistic about what the Bengals can do this year. I mean, they now have what could be if Joe Burrow is fully healthy and looks like he did, you know, when before the injury, which was damn good. They've added weapons and they could be, you know, they're going to be a competitive. I think they'll be similar to the Jets, probably a little better than the Jets. They're going to be in games probably, but I'm still not sold on that defense. It's pretty bad. Um, so I still think Cincinnati's got some work to do to get into contention, but I could see them winning six, seven games. So that's just my quick take on the other teams. All right. I'll let you talk. Well, I'll, I'll start with Pittsburgh as well. Um, here's the thing. Uh, a lot of times when you see teams with bad offensive lines, um, they go to – Obviously, there's a lot of different things you can do. You can chip edge rushers. You can, um, you know, slide offensive linemen. Uh, but the main thing you see is um, obviously the play-action game, but also bootlegs. Um, moving pockets have become a big thing in the NFL. Um, and that's kind of one of those things that um, – that's not really Ben's game at this point in his career, to be honest. Um, ben Ben is specifically a pocket passer at this point in his career. And obviously, from what I've heard, 
he's done some things to um, help his body and his uh, his be in shape uh, this year, um, which hopefully makes a difference. But I don't I won't I don't think I'll be seeing Ben um, running bootlegs um, anytime soon. So that's kind of the question. I mean the 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 lack of mobility combined with the the offensive line is kind of the most concerning thing to me but like you said the defense is going to be really really good no matter what so um i'm thinking uh eight wins nine wins right around where you said um and i think that line is right where it's supposed to be just like you said i think you hit it right on the head one other thing I'll quickly add before you get to the rest of your predictions is they do have a new offensive coordinator mm. who's going to implement more motion, more play action, more bend being under center. Obviously a different sort of running scheme because they now have a different skill set and a guy like Najee Harris who can do all of it at an elite level. Um, so that's one thing. I do think you're going to see a different style, definitely a different style of play calling from the new offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. And I think that could also help some of the things that not only Ben does, but that this offense is able to do. Right. Um, because last year, it was a lot of get the ball out of Ben's hand quick, short routes, dink and dunk sort of thing. And that really sort of killed them at the end of the season when teams started to catch on to that. They got away with it. You know, they were playing some bad defenses uh, early on, and they got away with it to a certain to a certain degree. But once the weather changed after Thanksgiving, they couldn't run the football at all, and teams figured them out. I think you're going to see a little bit more diversity in the play calling this year, which I think is going to help them a lot. But until proven otherwise... The offensive line is just not good enough for me to say that this team is going to win 10 games. Um, so, yeah. Um, we'll stop there. Right. It, and, I mean, you. I feel like you've hit everything with that team. I mean, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, you could really get anywhere from, you know, 35-year-old Ben Roethlisberger to, you know, 20th-ranked quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. Like, uh, week to week, it, it feels like Ben really, he wavers a little bit. And that could be, like, just a sign of a little bit of his age. But I, I think um, when he's on, he's still a pretty good quarterback. I don't think it's all gone, like you said. So I think that's enough on the Steelers. But... Um, they're definitely just a really intriguing team. Like I, I, I'm definitely, I definitely think when they're on the docket on my guide, I'm not going to be ignoring their games. That's for sure. They're going to be a very interesting team to watch. Um, so moving on for me, uh, the Ravens. Um, I think it's just, I mean, like you said, it's a two horse race, but I think, um, who you have going on top, I think it's just a flip of a coin, to be honest. I think the Ravens 
Um, I really like their draft. It feels like perennially their draft is just always just really, really solid. Um, if you look at some of the values they got late in the draft, they um, they grafted a corner and then they looked at his talent and they were like, wow, we don't really need this guy. We already have corners because he deserves to be getting playing time in the NFL. They traded him. They flipped him for picks uh, for the Patriots. So getting guys, uh, getting great values late in the draft is just one of the things that the Ravens are really, really striving. But uh, back to the point, though. Um, with the Ravens, it's really going to just depend on how the – passing game progresses i think early in the year you're gonna kind of see them sprinkle it in um but as the year goes along i think they're gonna have to really dive into that um i think it's gonna be a little bit like the buck season like they're gonna have to use the regular season to kind of experiment with this passing game um because when you get to the playoffs you can't i mean when lamar jackson needs to be able to uh pass the ball and they that that often needs to be able to pass the ball you can't just be like oh wow we haven't done this all year i mean i think it's a very similar situation to what the bucks had to do this past year and i think it could pay dividends but i think it also might um affect their record which is why i'm going to pick the browns to win the division yeah and one thing i'll say about baltimore is and you mentioned the passing game. I mean, Baltimore's passing attack, until, you know, shown to be consistent, especially down the field, is going to be put under an intense microscope. Because if they can get that aspect of the game into their arsenal and implement it consistently, they're easily good enough to be in the Super Bowl and maybe win the Super Bowl. Right, but that's something that's been lacking consistently the past couple of seasons. Uh, but with Baltimore, you know what you're going to get week to week, right? A team that's going to run the football down down your throat, no matter what, no matter the personnel, no matter what. You know what you're going to get. Um, you're going to get a competitive, good culture, good, well coached football team. Uh, so. As you mentioned with Baltimore, it's all about that passing attack. But they did go out, and you mentioned the draft. They drafted Rashad Bateman and uh, Tylen Wallace, who are both um, skilled receivers, and it's obviously a really deep receiver receiver class. Uh, and they also added Sammy Watkins, who, when healthy, could be a huge boost to stretching the field. Uh, he's sort of a speedster, stretch the field type of guy. Um, so that's really what you got to watch for with Baltimore. And you hit it right on the head. But then again, uh, losing J.K. Dobbins is now also sort of a thing. That's obviously unfortunate. But Gus Edwards, hopefully he'll be good uh, for them. But not only for them, but for you. Um, and... <laughs> yeah. uh, Justice Hill is another guy I'm hearing a lot about out of Oklahoma State. Uh, and they obviously utilize the, the fullback uh, more than other teams, at least. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But defensively, as I mentioned, you don't you get the occasional star here and there, but they're just really 
collectively solid as a group. Um, so, but I just think Cleveland, and I know it's Cleveland, but they have a real coach now. And, like, you don't know how, like, general casual football fans don't know how much of a difference that actually makes in the NFL. And Baker Mayfield, especially last year, looks like a long, like, he looks the part now. Um, and he, a lot of people say he's going to take the next step. And with all these weapons, I mean, how can you argue with it? And they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. And they went out and they significantly approved their one weakness on their roster, the secondary. They got John Johnson, the safety from the Rams. They drafted Greg Newsom out of Northwestern, the cornerback. They got Denzel Ward coming back healthy, right? He missed time playing last year. Um, so that's obviously a concern, but they have him coming back healthy for the time being. And then Grant Delpit, who was their pick, I believe, last season out of LSU. Um, so I really think they did a really good job masking their biggest weakness. Oh, and they got Troy Hill as well. So they now have a deep secondary and a good one uh, if it stays healthy. And then adding that X factor in the middle of the defense in uh, JOK or Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa, who fell to them in late, late in the second round. Man, that if, if that's not a steal, I don't know what is. Um, so then they obviously have one of the, if not the most dominant uh, defensive, actually one of the most dominant defensive players in the league, Miles Garrett. So top to bottom, I think the Browns are a better team. Now that they mask their biggest weakness and have a real coach, I think they're going to edge the Ravens out by a game or two. But it'll be close. Um, but yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think the Browns win the division. Um, Las Vegas has their win total project. Uh, their over under projected at let's see here, ten and a half. Wow, that feels very low. Um, they have the Ravens projected at 11. I'm going to say over for both. Uh, no, actually, I'm going to say push for the Ravens and over for the Browns. I agree. I think I agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, 10 and a half feels very low considering the offseason moves that they made and also just the fact that they're going into year two. I think it's a, a similar to the Buck situation where – you're bringing guys back and you actually improved your roster and you're going into year two of the system. It's a little bit of like a, obviously like not as good as the Bucks, but it's a similar situation where you're going into year two and you really turned up the um, cohesiveness at the end of last season and you're kind of going into this year on a high. So, yeah, I think... Um. The expectations should be there. You know, it's the beginning of football season. We have a lot to say because in those months after the draft, we don't talk a ton of football. It's all NBA and all the other stuff going on in the sports world, in case you're new to this podcast, which is why we're probably running a little longer than we wanted to. But I think we should speed it up just a bit. 
Right. Yeah. Um, so for the AFC South, which is our next division, um, let's just run through our predictions real quick. And right. Then we can talk about things that stand out to us. Right. And this should this should be a pretty simple one. Um, the Tennessee Titans projected nine wins. Um, I'm gonna say over. They're gonna. I think they're going to win ten. Um, I they're gonna win the division. I feel confident in that. Um, the quarterback situations with these other teams is just not very good. Um, so Titans winning the division. I feel really solid with that. Um, as for the storylines, uh, the Colts possibly getting back Carson Wentz for week two or week three or so, something like that. That's what it's looking like. Um, but I, even then, I'm going to have to see it with to believe it with Carson Wentz um, because a lot was riding on the coaching that he was going to receive from Frank Reich, and he wasn't able to get that because of this foot surgery. So we're going to have to see what he does. Um, and then the Jaguars, I don't know how I feel about Urban Meyer yet. I'm going to have to see it. I, I, I haven't heard good things so far. Um, I'm not going to lie. Um, but we're going to have to see. Um, the offensive line for Trevor Lawrence, I'm I'm a really concerned about. Um, and then, obviously, that defense isn't quite there where it needs to be. Um, and then, lastly, you have the Texans, who, um, to put it simply, are one of the worst teams of the past 10 years, maybe, without Des- Deshaun Watson. Um, I mean, just a complete mess. So, yeah. This is actually, what is the Colts um, over-under? It says nine, but I don't know if it's been adjusted with um, all of the injuries they've had. Okay, and what is the Titans again? Nine also. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, in my opinion, it's sort of a flip of a coin here. Mm. Um, so you're a lot higher than the Colts than I am. Interesting. Yes, I I am not super high on the Colts, but I think I think they can definitely or definitely have a good enough roster to be a playoff team. I mean. We're talking about one of the best defenses in the league. Um, we have Darius Leonard in the middle. Uh, and a solid, let's see. Let me make sure I get my facts right. Um, yeah, so they went out. They added uh, Xavier Rhodes in the offseason. Uh, Julian Blackman, another good safety. Uh, a solid secondary, well-coached defense with Darius Leonard and the guys up front with DeForest Buckner, Quiddy Pay, who, did they draft him? First round, yep, 22nd overall, I believe. Yeah, so that should help the pass rush. I really like defense is solid top to bottom. I know the quarterback is unsettled, but I still really like the offensive line. And... I think people are forgetting about Jonathan Taylor. And we know the Titans have a well-oiled machine over there in Derrick Henry, right? That running game is still going to be very good, and it's going to be a weapon 
for Tennessee, obviously. But Jonathan Taylor, from what I've seen, I think he can be end up being one of the best backs in the league. Uh, so while Carson Wentz is still, you know, obviously why he comes back from injury in those first couple weeks, uh, they can they have a bell cow that they can rely on. And I really like Frank Reich as a football coach. I don't know. I just really like the Colts. Um, nine wins. I think this really comes down to the head-to-head matchups in the divisional matchups, the record against the division for each team. Uh, I think it's really what's going to decide this. But I see one team at 10 and one team at probably in that nine range. I think it's going to be close. As far as the Titans are concerned, there's obviously a lot to like, especially offensive. But you lose your offensive coordinator. You lose Jonah Smith, but you do add Julio Jones, right? That's obviously huge, right? Yep. Um, so you have him and A.J. Brown, who obviously, when on the field, are good, but when, you know, they have some issues there with the availability. Um, you obviously have a decent enough offensive line and Derrick Henry. Potent running attack. Ryan Tannehill, the system that he's in allows him to be successful. Running the football, play action, that's what he's good at. It's not a knock on him. That's just what he is. And he's been good ever since he came over to Tennessee. Questions for me come on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and I know that they made some moves to go out and try to improve this defense. So it's not like they didn't make the effort to do so. They had Bud Dupree, but he is coming off an ACL injury. They gave him a lot of money. So you better hope that he's the same guy. Um, and then that secondary, which was the real problem last year. Um, they did go out, let's see, they added a veteran, Janoris Jenkins in free agency, and they drafted Caleb Farley, who has all the tools in the world, but has that back injury stuff. That I'm still waiting to see how that plays out. So it's not a knock on the Titans, and maybe it's that I'm a little high on the Colts, but I just see the Colts. Before I make my decision, let me look at the schedules. Schedules are key, especially now that the season's longer. Let's see. So Tennessee, not terrible, not easy, but not terrible. And then the Colts, Colts, yeah, Colts have a little bit easier of an opening. Actually, wait. No, they don't. Looking at last year, sorry. Sorry. They have to play Seattle and the Rams the first couple weeks. Mm. But I've seen teams start slow and then turn it around. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And the schedule really lightens up after a certain point. I see a lot of wins coming in the second half. Um, I mean, it's a flip of a coin in my opinion. Uh, I'm going to go Colts 10-7 and Titans 9-8. Okay. 
Jaguars um, and the Texans, I mean, who cares? Yeah. I, here, here's my thing on the Colts, though. Um, I, I have my questions about Carson Wentz. But also, I'm really concerned about that left tackle spot. Um, I They didn't really do anything to address that. I think that's the one hole on their offensive line. It's kind of glaring also. Um, that's just that's just one of those things where it's like, um, if you want this Carson Wentz thing to work, you've got to make the moves to um, really help him out. Um, and, you know, Wentz had his problems with trying to do too much hero ball in Philadelphia, and, and a lot of that had to do with um, that offensive line struggles that they had throughout his tenure there. Um, so having people screaming around that blind side is just going to be, uh, I don't know, it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I, I wasn't, I was a little bit, it was a question mark to me um, that the fact that they didn't address that either in the draft or in free agency. They didn't do anything about it. They just had their backup in there. Um, obviously, that's just one spot. Um, but uh, the defense, I think I'm a little bit lower on the defense than you are. Um, I like. I think they're solid. I think they're good. But I just um, I don't know what their pass rush looks like with. Uh, Justin Houston aging. Obviously, DeForest Buckner is really good, but um, in the interior of that D-line, they, I mean, he's going to get the push up the middle, but I have questions about their edge rushers. Um, and then, um, obviously, Xavier Rhodes, that was a good pickup. Um, but uh, I just think their defense is solid, just not elite. I think they're right around, like, kind of that, seven to ten ranked defense and I don't know if that's going to be enough to carry um what I think might be a little bit of a struggle offensively to start the year I think they'll turn it around I think they'll get I think you're right I think they'll get a lot of wins in that second half of the season but I think um it'll be a bit of a hill to climb um in terms of uh winning that division we'll see though all right well We'll see. I I could say the same thing about a lot of holes in the Titans roster, but we'll see. Yeah, I might be just nitpicking, but um, yeah, I I don't feel good about that left tackle spot. Something's just telling me like they should have done something to address that. I don't know why they did. <laughs> well, hopefully, um, Eric Fisher, who I think. Why we move on? Well, he's he's coming off his Achilles, so I don't I don't think he'll be playing. That's the thing. I'm gonna look up uh, something real fast, but we can move on to the AFC West. Right. I'll I'll go ahead and get started on that. Okay. So, in the West, um, you have honestly some really interesting storylines in terms of. Um, how competitive the division will be this year. Um, obviously, you have the Las Vegas Raiders uh, going in their second year in Vegas. Um, they made some changes to their offensive line. Um, and I I was lower on their moves early in the offseason, but I think they recovered uh, pretty decently, considering. Um, and then, obviously, you have 
the LA Chargers and the Denver Broncos. Um, looking to fight for position and get second in the division. Um, and then you have the Chiefs. The Chiefs are um, the perennial powerhouse in this division, and there's no question about it. Um, I'm not going to go too deep on what on uh, the Chiefs. I mean, obviously they... They switched all five starters of that offensive line, which is just crazy to me. Um, I really like the pick of Creed Humphrey late in the second round. Um, I think that was a, one of the biggest steals um, of the draft, really. I, I think like just the fact that the Packers chose a center at the pick before them, I think they chose a worse center than what they got, which is crazy. Um, but... Not relevant, sorry. Um, they switched all five stars. They traded for Orlando Brown from the Ravens. Um, a risky move. Um, he's played one season at left tackle, so we'll see how that goes. And obviously he's going to be wanting a lot of money. So trading a first-round pick, that's a pretty bold move in my opinion. But we shall see how that turns out. Um, and then... The right tackle situation is kind of where things get a little bit dicey. Um, you you have uh, Mike Remmers as your backup, and you picked up Kyle Long um, as your right guard. But I can't remember who their right tackle is at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I'm not going to get too deep. Um, their, their team is still really, really good. Um, I'm just going to move on to the Broncos because I have a lot to say about them. Okay, so Denver. Um, picking up Patrick Sertain, that um, obviously a highly scrutinated move after it, like immediately after it happened. But I think it's something that will turn out well in the long run. If you think about the situation the organization was in, um, they had just hired a new GM, and obviously with every organization, the first pick you make as a GM is just extremely important. So I think he just wanted to get the blue chip prospect and just really c- cement, um, just cement himself in the building as much as he could. Um, and I think he tried to choose the sure thing, which I think I think he did. I think Sertain is going to be really really good, um, maybe even future All Pro, but we, we'll see. Um, and then, of course, Denver, just their defense. Oh, my goodness. They get Vaughn Miller back. Um, they get Bradley Chubb, another year of development. Um, their defensive tackle spots, I, I can't remember who they have in there. But they, they have really solid just D-line in general. Um, that, that team looks really good defensively. The questions really come when you look at that offense, just their quarterback. They have the weapons. They have everything they need in terms of their offensive line being decent enough. It's just whether they can get the most out of Teddy Bridgewater and they, whether it can be enough to win some shootouts. I think that's what it's kind of going to come down to because there's going to be a lot of shootouts in this division. There's no question about it. There's some really good offenses. Yeah. Well, first thing I want to say is, bearing, barring an injury, 
to say a Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill or someone like that. I think Kansas City is just too talented to to lose this division. Um, it has gotten better. The Chargers are going to be good. I'll get to that in a minute. And obviously the Broncos, who if the quarterback situation pans out, like you said, they could be in the mix as well. But real quick with Kansas City, um, we don't need to mention any of the – we know what they are offensively, right? Uh, it's Andy Reid calling the plays. Mahomes, an MVP caliber, already probably, if he retired today, first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, actually, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but you get the point. No, I think I think I don't I don't know if that's a stretch, but that's a that's a conversation for another day. Continue. Sorry. Um, and then running back, you have Clyde edwards Hilaire, uh running the football. Needs to stay healthy, but they they have a good running game. Like that's. Obviously, we see all the splash plays with the passing game, but they have a good running game to complement. It's not, it's not elite, but it's good. Like it's pretty good. So, uh, barring an injury, the offense is going to score a lot of points. It's going to be hard to keep up. All right, we don't want to get in shootouts. Only a couple teams in the league that can maybe compete in a shootout type game with this team, and they have one of the best coaches, play calling wise and just in general, and Andy Reid. Uh, now I don't know what their over under is, and what did they win last year? They won. Uh, was it twelve or thirteen games? I don't remember. I think they won thirteen, right? Um, I believe it was thirteen. I think I can't yeah, remember. Quite remember. Right. They right. were the number one seed. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a fight between Kansas City and Buffalo, because remember. A lot of casual football fans will forget this, that the seven-team playoff in each conference is now permanent. That's not going anywhere, right? And the fact that with that, you only get one buy instead of two. It's a lot different than it was a couple of years ago. So that buy is now extra important, even more than it was so a couple of years when they had the 16 traditional playoff format. So it's going to be Kansas City and Buffalo, both probably 12-win teams, carrying injury. I mean, Kansas City's defense, it isn't anything special, but it's good enough. I mean, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Jaron Reed, they added the good interior tackle from Seattle. Um, Taco Charlton, who I guess was a pickup from the Cowboys, I guess. I don't know what he'll contribute, but it's something. The depth piece. Um and then in the middle, I mean, the linebackers, no household names, but good enough. And then the back, back in, obviously, Tyron Matthews is still a very, very good player, Pro Bowl caliber. Uh, Legereus need one, Thornhill, who they drafted out of Virginia uh, last year, showed flashes uh, this past season. So, I mean, they're just, it's one of those rosters where it's talented, it's sound, good coaching, great quarterback. They're going to win their fair share of games. Now let's get to the interesting conversation, which is the Chargers. The Chargers, that a lot of people had doubts about, including myself, and I think a lot of us, about Justin Herbert coming out. But, man, did he prove a lot of us wrong. Uh, the questions with the Chargers are, are not really roster-related, in my opinion. It's really 
the coaching. Uh, will Brandon Staley be the right guy? Because they have yet to find that. And then the injuries. They always seem, every single year, to have an unusual, like, high amount of injuries. They just can't stay healthy. And they've been bad situationally. Really bad situationally. Uh, like, to extremely high levels the past couple of years. So, I think if they can just do the simple things, right? Be better situationally. Have that coach um, implement his culture, his sort of way of running things, and have Justin Herbert maybe even take another step towards being like an MVP candidate. Um, I think he's probably just now that good. Um, then the Chargers, I think they have their ceiling set at a certain point, but I see this team being a 10-win football team. Given health, of course, and obviously Brandon Staley. Uh, but I think Brandon Staley, he's been in this league a long time as an assistant coach. He was the defensive coordinator of one of the best defenses in the league. He takes over a defense that already has a ton of talent. You have Derwin James coming back healthy. He is a difference maker if he can stay healthy. And they drafted a really good cornerback in Asante Samuel Jr., who will replace Casey Hayward in that secondary very nicely, I think. Um, and then obviously Bosa, the guys up front, Kenneth Murray, the second-year linebacker out of Oklahoma. I think we'll see a step from him. Um, and then up front, you have your guys. I mean, it's not anything special, but good enough. So I think the Chargers are a 10-win team. Oh, and they improved their offensive line. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. I mean, they got one of the best centers in football and Corey Lindsley, mm-hmm. an all-pro from the Packers. Uh, they added Jared Cook offensively as well, solid tight end. Uh, Matt Filer, a guy who I'm very familiar with, solid guard tackle, has that versatility from the Steelers. Um, so they, they're one of those teams that I just need to see them stay healthy and for them to be better in those situations. I think they are safely a 9 or 10 win football team, given those things. Right. Um, and I think we'll probably see them in the playoffs. But it could be a fight with the Denver Broncos. And as you mentioned, the question with the Broncos is, and I know they went out and they got even better defensively, but they've been good defensively for years now. It's just been the quarterback that has eluded them, right? So they may have gotten better defensively. Patrick Sertain is going to be a great player. I agree there. Um, They had their guys up front. I'll just remind the people. Um, Bradley Chubb, Vaughn Miller, who I'm sure you mentioned. But in that interior defensive line, uh, Mike Purcell, Shelby Harris, all those guys. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Broncos – Really the downfall for Denver the past couple of years, oh, I know I'm sort of all over the place, but they did, they do have one of the best secondaries now with the additions of Ronald Darby, Kyle Fuller from the Bears, and then the two safeties and Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons. You could argue make one of the best, if not the best, safety tandem in the league. But one of the things that... Um, kind of ailed the Broncos the past couple of years 
is um, they've been really bad coming out of the gates. Uh, poor starts have sunk, really, the Broncos in each of the past two seasons. They opened 0-3 last year, and the previous season opened 0-4. They've lost eight consecutive games in September, dating back to 2018. So, one thing that could hurt them um, is coming out of the gate slowly again. Because what that could mean is Big Fangio's seat really starts to heat up. And then before you know it, he's out the door. And the team could just eventually quit on whoever, you know, at that point. So, but this year I think they get a little bit of a, little bit of a break coming out of the gates. I could see them starting very well, actually. I mean, the Giants, that's a winnable game. Jacksonville, winnable game. Jets, winnable game. Baltimore and Pittsburgh, if you could get one of those, that would be fantastic. Um, Las Vegas. Um, that's a winnable game. At Cleveland, maybe not. Going to Cleveland on a short week on a Thursday, not probably ideal, but Washington, they can compete. It's all about Drew Locke. I see the Broncos. I think they're going to start faster. I think we're going to see growth from Drew Locke. What is their over-under? And then I'll stop talking. Um, Their over-under is, let's see here. Oh my goodness, the page just closed on me. What the hell? Their over-under is 8.5, I believe. Let me confirm that. Oh, that's so... That's like right where Yep, 8.5. <laughs> oh, man. And, and keep in mind, Teddy Bridgewater was named the starter. Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. Shit. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll go over. Nine wins. I can see it. I can yeah. definitely see it. Yeah. Um just such a tough team to predict. Um Yeah. It's just uh how high one of those teams, like when they're on TV, I'm watching. Yeah, me too, man. I I love this roster. Like I, I have a lot of friends who are Broncos fans, obviously, and they, and we've talked a lot about how this roster makeup kind of flows together. But if you talk about just scheme fit, I mean, I don't think you can get much better than Kyle Fuller in a Vic Fangio defense. Like that is as good as it gets. And then you have Ronald Darby who starts on pretty much any team you look at in the NFL, pretty much, maybe like 95% of teams. And then he, I mean, Sertan might be better than him. So, I mean, a, a three-deep corner rotation, a, a, a two-deep at safety with two elite guys, just, I mean, this could be incredible. Um, oh, man, I'm going to say... I feel like I'm gonna psych myself out into saying over, but I'm I'm just gonna go with my gut and say over. I I I'm gonna say nine wins. I don't think I don't think they'll get second in the division. I I have confidence in the Chargers. I 
I agree with you there on the fact that I think they'll be a 10-11 win team. Maybe. Ah, no, probably 10 wins, not 11. But I think they'll be better is the point. I think they'll be a second in the division. And I think Justin Herbert is just the only reason I'd say that. He just raises their ceiling. should wrap it up but let me say this to recap I for my division winners in the AFC have Kansas City where we agree Buffalo in the AFC East where we agree we had a disagreement in the AFC South in Tennessee I had Indianapolis by a game I mean not by much right right and, and you had Tennessee uh, and then in the AFC um what division am I missing? AFC North, we both have to leave. And the AFC wild cards, in my opinion, I think are going to be, I think you're going to have Baltimore. I think, uh, well, I guess I have to stay consistent and say Miami will be in there. Uh, and then I think for that seventh spot, it's really like a race between the Patriots, between the Chargers, maybe the Steelers. All those Denver, like all those nine, eight, eight-ish win teams that we think are, that we're projecting, I think they're all going to be in a race for the seventh seed. Right, exactly. So, oh, and Tennessee, obviously, for mine. Right, right. So, as you mentioned, that just shows the AFC's depth. I mean, you could have, you could come down to week 16, 17, and 18 and have potentially five or so teams in contention for the last wild card spot, which is just mind blowing. Um, considering that, not that the NFC is bad, it's still really good, but considering that the NFC was at one point a couple of years ago a lot better than the AFC. So, with that being said, that's going to wrap up our uh, AFC preview. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe. Uh, episode 71 we're going to have as much content as we can possible coming out especially at the start of football season this weekend the start of college we talked a little bit about that look them horns hopefully they can get out the win this weekend against a good louisiana team Uh, if you can if you have time this weekend sit down and watch some of those games that we talked about Um, and we'll probably be back next week to kick off the nfl season um, and now that it's Thursday, we're officially one week away from opening night in the NFL with the, your Dallas Cowboys facing off against the defending Super Bowl champions, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. And so football season is officially here. And we are excited about that at the Raw Prospect Podcast. Right, exactly. And we, we, there's going to be a lot to cover. Um, but... I just want to say something real quick. I, I had an ex, a, a pretty good suggestion from uh, my friend Brandon Garza um, on the golf team with me. Obviously, we've, we've tried to do this in the past before, but just chopping up the episode into um, segments and, and posting that on YouTube as well afterwards, I think yeah. that's going to be something I'm going to try to do. Um, it's going to be a little bit more difficult now that we don't have a video version because of the Wi-Fi and different technical issues. Um, but 
I'm going to try to make that happen this week. So you should be seeing content um, instead of maybe once a week, more like three or four times a week, hopefully, because I'm going to try to stagger that out. Um, and I hope that um, it's sufficient enough for you guys. I really want to I really want to step up the content. I really want to keep the quality up um, and the consistency up as much as we can. So um, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And uh, that's going to be all. Happy football season. Peace.